So before I uh, came over here to record the podcast with you guys, I was just brushing up on my Bicycling Magazine articles, and uh, mm. it was telling me that cycling is a new golf. They've been saying that for a while. It's probably the old golf by now, right? True. But I, I feel like I might have to start doing a little more golf. I mean, actually, I grew up playing golf, and just the other day on the club ride, I was bonding with our friend Jeremy about going out and maybe uh, hitting the old skins. Never done um, it myself, but uh, more power to you. Hit, wait, hit, hitting the skins? What Maybe skin? did I mix analogies there, there or are metaphors? There skins? Is that what they call it? You can play for skins. Skins game. You can, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, but I was thinking that in order to help me sort of transition, and I, I am thinking that maybe this podcast will bring more and more golf into it. I and, hope not. And we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll slowly get rid of the cycling. Cause, cause, well, well, you'll get rid of me. <laughs> Because golf is the new cycling, so I think that we need to just embrace it. Um, this is going to be called the Yeah You Ride Golf Podcast. Yayuduff.com. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah You Drive. Yeah. Oh, God, you are clever on, and quick. Yeah, that, uh, that was good. That was good. Uh, I missed that one. Mm. I really duffed that one. Uh, so me, your, your point here, Bodie, is... I'm taking is... a bogey on that one. Mm. Wait, that's not... That's, Mulligan. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, yeah, it's my whole point is that in order for me to transition what? to a golfer, <laughs> that I I wanted to do some comparisons. Like, okay, I figured if I thought about famous golfers and then mm. found cyclists who are sort of equal in character, that it might help me like understand the golf game more. Okay, so I actually I should say cyclists. So one thing I thought about was who is the Lance Armstrong of cycling? Lance oh. Armstrong. <laughs> well, that's that. Uh, <laughs> Does, Lance probably plays golf. <laughs> Lance Armstrong is definitely the Lance Armstrong of cycling. Who no, but that, I, who that, is a, <laughs> that's easy, Bodie. That's Tiger Woods. Okay, all right. All yeah, right. multiple multiple time champion, uh, and hated by all. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or right. no, that's controversial to say yeah. the least. There are still some fans out there. Probably both uh, gentlemen try to come back and never really made it. Yeah. And now spends a lot of time sitting on his couch, um, having resentments. Sure. Mm. Maybe he'll start a podcast. Hmm. Uh, what about someone like Arnold Palmer? Who was the cycling equivalent of Arnold Palmer? I'm thinking black and white, 50s, 60s, solid champion. I'm going to go with Eddie Merckx. That's pretty good. You could maybe even say Fausto? Mm. Yeah. Would, Fausto would actually be... Gary Player? Uh, yes, I think that's who I'm thinking of. Gary Player, yeah. Okay. Have you ever gone to a restaurant after a bike ride and ordered an Eddie Merckx? I have, yes. Actually, it is a Belgian beer uh, with a blended up steak and a dash of speed. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. It does sound good. I'll have one of those right now. Well, good evening, gentlemen, and welcome to the 45th episode of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is Bodie Bodie. Hey there, guys. This is the T-Bone. And this is Ajiria. Boy, this podcast is almost as old as I am all of a sudden. I know, right? Yep. We're about to get our ARP card in the mail soon. Can't wait. Eh, got mine. No big deal. <laughs> I think we are uh, kind of hitting peak spring lately. I had a stellar weekend of cycling last weekend. Mm. Uh, again, I feel like I'm getting a bunch in a row. Um, it's been awesome. And there's just been a lot of like bike racing to talk about that we watched. There's been a lot of bike racing that we did. There's been local heroes. There's been, um, I don't know, what else? Golfing going on. Great pro racing to watch on TV. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't even know where we start. That's not true. I know where we start. Let's start with the classics. Let's start with the pro women at Amstel Gold. Did you guys watch it? Uh, the pro women's race? I did not get to watch the pro women's race. 
I didn't watch the pro women's race either. I was out on a bike ride. You were texting you were you were texting me, Bodie, that you were you had missed the ride that we were going to go do on Sunday morning uh, because a drawbridge was up and you couldn't get past it. I got lower nined. And you went home and flipped on the coverage of the Amstel Gold women's race and made me real jealous, actually. And in fact, you made me end up cutting my ride short because I wanted to get home to watch more of the Amstel Gold men's race. By the time I got home, the women's race was over. Well, the women's race was before, and I just caught the last 3K um, mm-hmm. up the last climb, and it was a pretty awesome finish. There was about five women charging for the sprint and a select group of three and uh the world champ was in that select group of the three and she kind of bossed the sprint and took the win uh, that the world champ being Chantel block uh, yeah lucinda brand who we know from cycling uh she got second from cyclocross oh my god wow yes, we, we do know her from cycling however what about golf? more How's generally golf game yeah i think she's also a golfer too uh in third place was amanda spratt um Great finish. We had American Alexis Ryan in fifth. Yeah. Um, Where is Amanda Spratt from? Australia. Australia. Because oh, yeah, both she, I, uh, Chantel Black and Lucinda Brand are from the Netherlands, right? They're both Dutch. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they won there. They finished one two in their home classic. Yeah. I mean, I would say Dutch. Uh, the Dutch really are, are dominated women's cycling uh, recently. And a little bit of the men's cycling this classic season too. Mm, a little bit. Yep. And you know, Chantel, she's current world champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in her world champion stripes. She was looking resplendent. And I have a hot take. Give it. Maybe she's the Peter Sagan of, of women's cycling. Hmm. Super hot. Granted, she, she only has one. She's fairly new on the scene. But I, I'm just, I'm thinking that maybe she is. I'm going to call it right now. Chantel is going to win a bunch of races this year and two more world championships. I can think of uh, at least two Dutch women and one Belgian woman that <laughs> would probably take issue with that statement. Marianne Voss and uh, Van Bragen. Yes, yeah. and then Annemiek van Vluten, I think, would probably also take some issue with that. And I think Marianne uh, Voss at this point... They're, they're all Dutch. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Who is the Belgian woman that I'm thinking Jolien of? Jolien Dor? Maybe so. Maybe. I don't know. Mostly, she... Just, I don't know, the way she rode her bike, the way she bossed the sprint, and how she was in control the entire time very much reminded me of Peter Sagan. So, like I said, super hot take, but I'm, 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 I'm putting this line out there. I'm yeah. throwing it in the deep end because I'm hoping it's going to pay off. So, okay. that's, that's it. Yeah, check back in a couple years, and you might be right. Yeah, right? I might be right. Uh, I also saw in the women's race, followed on Instagram... Audrey Cordon Rago of uh, Wiggle Honda, who is the French time, women's time trial champion. Oh, sorry, Wiggle High Five, they're called now, right? Uh, she got sixth, and she was, that was like a, you know, she. it's not always about winning. Then it's, She was super, super pleased with that result. That was like her best result in, in a long time, and it's a race that she loves, and, uh, you know, knowing that she's not quite as good as uh, those that got on the podium, it's always nice to see when somebody is like just really elated yeah. with a top 10 finish. Look, it's never about winning for a guy like me either. And, you know, a nice solid fifth, sixth place finish in a hotly contested race. Where in, I'm, in where I'm still gold race. You'd yeah, be happy you know, with that, where I'm you? up against guys where I'm clearly, you know, out outmatched and, mm. and not maybe going to make it on the podium. I feel like a slot right into fifth and sixth, and I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, on any given day, so I'm right there with her. Yeah, nothing like a, <clears throat> nothing like a top ten in Roubaix. I mean, I just got top ten in Roubaix. I'm pretty, pretty freaking stoked. Yeah. So, did you guys watch the men's race? I did. Yes, I did. Well, I watched probably about the last fifty odd k of the men's race. Yeah. Um, got. I got to. Uh, got to the TV with about uh, yeah about sixty k to go. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just go through the podium real fast. We had Michael Valgren, who yeah. won, uh, outsprinted uh, Roman, uh, Roman Kreuzinger, and on third was Enrico Gasparato. Um, yeah. Valgren, Didn't, who yeah. won Het Newsblad, kind of the the opener, uh, Umla Het Newsblad, kind of, I mean, a little bit of a different race than Amstel. Amstel's a bit more hillier. Yep. Oh, yeah, say. quite a bit. 
quite a bit hillier. So different characteristics, um, very much so. But uh, obviously, he's in phenomenal form this year. Yeah, holding good form all the way to. I mean, because they usually say if you if you win Umloop, you can't win Flanders, right? Yes. Or is it well? Yes. And you you guys ready for a little uh, stat? Mm. Do you know the last person to win uh, uh, Umloop and Amstel Gold in the same season? Omloop and Amstel Gold in the same season. I do not. I'm going to make a huge, huge hot take here and say Eddie Merckx. You are correct. Ooh, how about that? Yeah, yeah. It's a good company to be in if you're the like Arnold Michael Palmer Bagger. of cycling. Yeah. That's believable. Well, you know, and we were talking about this uh, offline recently about number of wins. You know, we did. Yeah, and that Eddie Merckx won 525 professional races, which was. A win every weekend is what I calculated <laughs> to. Every much. weekend of his career. So he basically had a 10-year career. Yeah. 10, yeah. 12-year career, uh, 10 months out of the year is what I said you're racing. Um, and then Matt pointed out that you could, you know, win a, a tour and, you know, have some stage wins. And that, that's two, you know, multiple wins in a weekend or whatever. It's a week-long stage race. But averaging one win, yeah. one win per week. Yeah, over your entire there's career. A, there's a great story of uh, one time, I think it was some charity event or something, and the great American cycling journalist uh, Samuel Abt was introducing Eddie and Axel Merckx together on the stage, his son Axel, who runs uh, Axion Huggins Berman. And, uh, and he welcomed them on the stage but saying, uh, with 526 professional wins between them, it's Eddie and Axel Merckx. <laughs> How many of those were Axels? One. Yeah. Wow. So a couple things, you know, we're going to do some race takes for the men's race, Amstel Gold. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Astana had two men in that final selection. Yep. Uh, Valgren and... Um, Fulsang. Fulsang. Jakob Fulsang. And uh, they executed the one-two, I would say, to about as much perfection as you could under those two circumstances. Danes. Yeah. Two Danes. Two big Danes. Two great Danes. Two great Danes, yes. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Fulsang did a lot of work, went off the front at least twice. Yeah. Valgren went off the front once himself before his decisive move, uh, but they really played it well. I think they also benefited from the fact that Valverde and um, Sagan were in that final selection, and everybody, as you would expect, was sort of marking those two, and they seemed to be marking each other a good bit. I mean, people were, were covering the, the moves that people made off the front, but uh, Valgren sort of slipped away a bit right there at the end and, and Valverde and, and Sagan were sort of looking at each other and everybody was looking at them to react and nobody did and yeah, Valgren stayed away. Kreuziger was the only guy who um, who really went with it but it was, you know, I think between the two it was obvious that Valgren was going to have the better sprint. Yeah, it's interesting once again to, to think about the group of people that were in that uh, final real mix and yeah. the group and the people that weren't in that final group as well. Also but let's true. talk about the people that well, were there I'm just, first. I'm just thinking about Jakob Fulsang and his stage race. Mm-hmm. Palmares yep. um, is in there at the end with a Valgren who is a classics guy. You've got Valverde who is, you know, obviously is can do a lot. You have Sagan. I mean, it just, it's really interesting. I love to see these kind of races, and I think I'd say this every time, but whenever there's a, a good mixture of cycling types in a race like Amstel Gold, yeah, it's fun. And I actually like Amstel Gold. I, I kind of forget it's really... I mean, this is the race where literally the course goes around on itself three to four times. Yeah. Um, super climby, twisty lot of like wide roads into super narrow lanes Some very very narrow like Some, single basically like car width roads yeah it's amazing you watch the like they're like the riders are four to five wide and then all of a sudden they're down to like one and like a, and a, a 90 degree left hand turn and you know you almost saw people go uh, crash a few times they're off on the dirt and just a good parkour um which they've changed quite a bit over the last few years. It used to finish just at the top of the Coburg, and then they stretched it out, and now it finishes after the, I think it's at the Bemmelberg now is the last one. 
And then it's kind of like a long drag to the line. Yeah, it looks so the women's race finished, I think, on the Cowberg, mm. that longer climb. And then the men's race did that and right. then had some additional. And I think those two hills lead up to the same finish straight. So that's why on the men's race, they go up the Coburg a couple of times across the line. And then the final time they go up the Bemmelberg. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Michael Matthews was out of the mix, cut a, cut a flat at mm-hmm. the end, kind of a, the really bad time yep. had to wait for a, a wheel change and he seemed to be pretty distraught after that i mean he had broken his shoulder or separated his shoulder i know that he couldn't really pull up on the bars very well but it seemed like he was uh, on good form starting and, to come back yeah yeah and uh rigoberto Aran had a very ill-timed crash yeah. in one of those one of those very tight corners uh, he got tangled up with another rider. It took a while to get their bikes untangled, and that was basically it for him. That was it. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't come back. I mean, you can't get the car up, or you, it's just so fast and twisty yeah. that you're. And he had uh, Lawson Craddock had been in the break all That's day right. for him. Yeah, finished eighth. Pretty, pretty yeah, fantastic Hell result. Of a finish by Lawson Craddock. Um, you know, Lawson Craddock's a name that you see at the driveway in Austin. I mm-hmm. mean, he's a Texas guy. He's had some good races. I know that last year he kind of had an off year. I mean, an awful year last year. I think he had. I think he had some crashes and stuff that uh, really sounds like crash. Some you know overtraining, a little bit of mental thing. But looks like Lawson's back. Got in the early break and and, and almost made it. The you know like I thought. Dang, like maybe he like is he gonna win? Well, his he, teammate Michael Woods was also in the mix there for a Woods while. Woods was well. there. Woods mm. is on my fantasy squad, and he kind of Woodsed it. You know, he he pulled a real, he kind of pulled a SEP where he was in the front selection, but then couldn't make that final final selection and ended up, you know, eleventh yeah. or something. Well, look, he had good company not being able to make that final selection in one Philippe Gilbert, yeah, and yeah. one Mihal Kwiatkowski, yeah. Now, again. how do those guys not make the final and selection? And Kwiatkowski looked really, again, like he did at Flanders, looked super strong and really looked really comfortable for a long time. And then it was just, oh, he's gone. He just yeah. he just couldn't Pop. hold He just couldn't hold the pace in that in one of those previous, like, I think, second to last, you know, climb, something like that. So that's the, you know, the guys that went one, two, made the break last year, mm. and they just weren't there in the finish. Didn't have the legs. And you know what? Like... They're both on my team, and I wish I could put them out to pasture because they need to be turned into glue And because I'm not getting any points from them. You never know. One of them could pop up on uh, Wednesday or ne- or Sunday and, and well, know, deliver the Well, how much goods. do you guys want to pay me to drop them so they win flesh? Well, I think, I'm, I think I'm dropping Gilbert. I don't even know that Gilbert is on the start list for, for either of these last two races. Mm, interesting. I'll have to check that out and see. I know Kwiatkowski is, and I'll, I'll keep him. I think he's going to come back. Well, who, another one who looked really strong and then disappointed was who I had on my team was Alaphilippe. And uh, he kind of did the same as Kwiatkowski. He was like looking super strong and aggressive and then just was not there at the finish. But well, he, he was in, he made the final selection though, am I not if I'm not mistaken, did he not? He got I believe he he got 7th. Seventh. Seventh. Um yep. well the, so I mean if the final selection I would I would would that be Roman Valgren and Gasparato? No, no, no. I mean before before, before they that. before they made their move off the front. In that group, yeah. yeah. Did but did you Fair see enough. uh Patrice Lacroix of uh, Quick Step talking about <laughs> motorbikes giving too much Pat- of a Patrick Lefebvre, yeah. Too much of an advantage to the winning group. He he basically said that he feels that the motorbikes gave too much assist to the leaders, and he he mentioned about how Peter Seri was at the front, giving his full effort, and he couldn't bring back the break. I, mm. I don't know that necessarily means that the motorbikes are there, but it's interesting because I do remember on the broadcast the announcers saying, "Here comes a motorbike," you know, and they'll 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 ride right up to it and they'll get a little bit of a draft, but it's okay. That's 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 just kind of part of the race and and thinking that in in the, now we have you know the the ds of quick step saying that's you know changing the race i don't know i mean i think that's think? been going on for a long time yeah sure I, I tell you one thing i did notice though uh not necessarily the sort of moto drafting that that happens in lots of races but the number of motos in this race was pretty astounding at one point when the when the there was the sort of 
you know, final selection, and then there was a, a chase group that was maybe at some at one point as close to maybe 13 seconds or so away. There were, I swear, 10 to 12 motos in between those two groups. And again, the gap between them was only 13 to 20 seconds. It was not, I mean, you could see them, easy, clearly see both of the groups in the camera frame with just a ton of motorcycles in between them. And to me, sometimes it just it just gets dangerous with all those motorcycles. Yeah, that's that's actually exactly what he said. That when the gap was twenty seconds, they needed to pull the motorcycles out. That's yeah. what uh, Patrice Lacroix said. I mean, also, I understand. The, the, I understand that you need motorcycles in this kind of a race because you can't have as many vehicles. But you know, come on. Right. Sorry, Bodie, I interrupted. No, you. no, no, no. I just, and by the way, Michael Woods finished twentieth. So good job, me, in picking him. Mm. Okay. Well, that's still in the money, right? Just, just I, in I the money. I don't think so. No, no, in, not in for this not race. For this that race. would they paid a fifteen in in these races. Oh, paid a twenty in the monuments. Okay. Um, anything else on Amstel Gold? Did they do they win a bucket of Amstel Gold at the end? I mean, they have to, right? Presumably, they will. You get win some your beer. your weight in beer. I think they do. I didn't see the podium photos, but uh, I assume that there's some sort of a stein of beer at the end the the announcers were saying that they thought that Sagan when Kreuzinger went after Valgren the Sagan didn't close the gap because they were teammates on oh yeah I don't know saying that he was like a little bit of a payback I I I don't I don't I feel like that was just that he would let his ex-teammate um go for the win I don't know yeah. Would he do that? It d- that doesn't seem likely to me. Not in a race like Amstel where, you know, maybe if this was some sort of Tour de France stage that wasn't like a, yeah. a stage where Sagan was going to be, you know, factoring in. I think he that? would have much rather, yeah, he would want that classic from Sagan won the, the, the fall group sprint. He got fourth. So he was, yeah. he was in it. He wasn't, he didn't like pull the plug and just kind of be like, eh. No. Yeah. Yep. And he out he, he sprinted Valverde. Who was fifth? Valverde never not top five, right? Always be Valverde. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about the big race from Sunday? Yeah. Speaking of uh, people winning awesome things, you know what they won at Trobro Leon? Well, it's not actually for the winner. Yeah. It's for the highest placed local rider. Oh, Breton rider. Yes. Yeah. The uh, the uh, piglet. Yeah. They win a piglet. So you guys are talking about the Trobro Leon. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. biggest race on Sunday. That was the, no. definitely the best race on Sunday. I don't know. Why? Why are you guys... I mean, like, I get that it's cool with, like, the dirt roads, but... But you're our resident hipster. I mean, you should be all over it. I'm the resident hipster? Look yeah, at you guys. of course you are. We like... both have cycling caps on, and you're wearing a Vecchio's t-shirt. And... We're we're old. You're wearing a Montrose uh, band t-shirt you know is it a band i wouldn't know i mean <laughs> i am the Wasn't one Sammy of the Hagar? three of us that uh completed a alley cat this weekend so perhaps you're winning the hipster award this <laughs> oh weekend. my gosh anyway trobro leon yeah but no to your question Bodie, i do think for me what makes that race is not some you know legend of the the hipsters of breton or whatever but it is the parkour it's the it's the race. It's the course. It is the dirt. It is the farm roads. Uh, it is all that. It is a race that if I were a professional cyclist or if I was a uh, touring cyclist, uh, as I might be someday over in Europe riding my bike, that is the parkour that I would want to ride over the hills of Amstel or the cobbles of Flanders. I would want to get out on those dirt farm roads. The Ribinou. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, for me, I, I, I really like that. And I also sort of like the gritty sort of, you know, once amateur status of the race and the fact that it's, you know, predominantly French and has a local flavor. And um, a lot of local teams, even though there's a couple of, there's usually only a couple of World Tour teams. It's usually FDJ and uh, Ajay Desert. Um, uh, Cofidis, I guess well, they're, they're not, not World, World Tour, Tour this year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, look, I mean, Bodhi, to, 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 um, to argue the the opposite and play the devil's advocate. I mean, it didn't have the sort of racing action um, and the fireworks that Amstel Gold had this year 
it, it, it can have that. I mean, it can be a, a great bike race. I thought, I thought this year's race was notable uh, for a friend of the podcast or fan or hero of the podcast, uh, 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 Damien Godin's performance. Yeah. I mean, Matt, we were messaging back and forth as we were watching it. Um, he was falling off the back of the group mm. uh, for a while, falling off the back of the chase group for a while, and oddly seemed to always be 20 yards behind the end of that chase group. Yeah, uh, and then weird. He, he'd claw his way back up in the 5311, which apparently is the only gear that works on his bike. Yeah. Uh, I think he was actually riding a single speed. <laughs> guy, I mean, yeah, I think one of the commentators said, is like, I don't even know, I don't know why he even has a derailleur on the back of that thing. <laughs> He's not using it at all. He just grinds a massive gear. Kind of he like lo- our teammate Aaron. That's right. He has this kind of very, uh, I don't know, physical style to his riding. Very he? much. He, he puts everything into it. Every every muscle, every sinew is being used in some way. In yeah, every every pedal stroke looks like a leg press. Yeah. And uh, he, he typically rides in the saddle, uh, and, he, and he works his upper body quite a bit. Works uh, the elbows a lot. Including his elbows, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, so where does it, it look like for the last 40K of that race, he just was you know getting popped over and over and over again. Yeah. He clawed his way back into that chase group, clawed his way through that chase group, off the front of that chase group, and damn near won the race. Yeah, yeah, uh, which he did win last year. So, you know, he was wearing the number one, and, uh, you know, last year he was on the Armée de Terre team, and now he's moved back up to the pro Conti level with um, his former pro Conti team, uh, what used to be Europe Car, and is now... Direct di- Energy. Direct Energy, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he, had a, he, had, he wanted to defend, he definitely wanted to defend his race, and he just gave absolutely everything he had, even though he didn't have quite enough. And, so, and who won the race was none other than Christopher Laporte, who we've, we've talked about on this podcast. We have. I actually had him on my fantasy squad for a bit. He earned some points for me early on. I had just cut him because I knew he wasn't going to be doing the Ardennes. Uh, and then, uh, too bad, I couldn't get some, some points from him for going to win uh, Trobro. But, yeah, he won. Um, was not really a sprint. He sort of had it. Godin yeah. gave, it, gave it a good shot. Yeah, but, Godin uh, didn't get up to him. Uh, but uh, he was uh, he and Godan finished uh, sort of soloed uh, into first and second and third place was Yelman uh, uh, Ertz from Belgium. Yeah, Belgium. A lot of crashes in that race. Uh, a lot of people going down in the corners. Not so much. It's funny, like going and down in the corners, coming back onto the road. You know, coming off the the farm tracks and onto the road. Uh, those transitions of surface are always a little bit tricky. Uh, but I think it's a great race. It's a great course. Uh, and I agree, it's something that I would like to go ride. And it reminded me a little bit of the uh, the Boss Gravel uh, circuit that we did, you know. Well, I will tell you guys, uh, because I did find myself getting interested in what it would take to get over there and go ride this stuff. Mm. They have a uh, Sportive. Yes. The day before yeah. Trobro. So this year it was on Saturday. Uh, next year, I presume it'll be on the Saturday before the race as well. And uh, it's as easy as getting ourselves uh, some airplane tickets over to France and getting some bicycles and signing up to go do that. So let's think about it. Yeah, This I, is in Brittany? Yeah. It's in Brittany. I could even go stay with my mom and get the ferry over to, uh, to Brittany from, uh, from where she lives. Over so, in uh, Land's End? We can Penzance. we can go um, to your mom's house. Sure, no, <laughs> that's very little room at my mom's house. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think we'd all fit on the sofa, but uh, you could stay nearby. Wow, I thought <laughs> we were podcast mates. <laughs> not, no, no, yeah, well, podcast mates. No room mates. on the floor. I mean, not, come on. not, not bed mates. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, and I heard they have like a great uh, after the ride. It's uh, crepes and local cider is the uh, is the recovery uh, uh, meal. So it sounds pretty good to me. All right. Well, do you guys have any other notes on professional bike races this weekend of the European variety? Uh, no, but I mean, I do have a few notes about our professional fantasy cycling league. Well, I've got something before we transition to the fantasy classics. Just a little headline. I thought was a bit funny. Fabio Fellini? Mm-hmm. Fabio Fellini, yeah. Fabio Fellini? Fellini, yeah. Feline? Feline? Fellini. Fabio Feline. Okay. Uh, 
he's sidelined with toxoplasmosis. And do you guys know what that is? Uh, no, I don't know what it is. That's like the bacterial infection you get from cat shit. Oh. Oh, so you're saying it's an ironic play on his name. <laughs> yes. That's, that's really a, a not so Fabio feline. Wow. Gave him some toxic poo-poo syndrome. <laughs> so, Indeed. okay, that's from like cat litter stuff or whatever. Is that it? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, okay. I just thought that was worth pointing out on the podcast. <laughs> So fantasy cycling classics, we had um, since the last time we spoke. Has it just been the one race, Amstel, or did no, we have? No, Brabantia Pill was no. also Gosh. midweek last week. I have to confess my epic fail uh, to all of oh, our podcast yeah. listeners. You, you wouldn't stop talking about this. Well, I mean, <laughs> after all the work I put in, you guys saw my spreadsheets. Uh, I had it actually. All... One of our podcast listeners uh, got a secret personal photo of your spreadsheets well this is just this is just so demoralizing to me on so many many levels uh i was in tied for first place uh i was all prepared to make some excellent uh changes to my team for uh brabant pige and uh did but failed to confirm them so and were so you going to go all in on Brabamstam Pilija? I wasn't going all in. No, I just, I had, you know, I had a few changes that I thought would be yeah. a nice transition from the classic, the cobbled classics to the Ardennes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I had made some good picks. Uh, I, my, my team that I had submitted but failed to confirm included three top five finishers in that race, which would have probably put me in first place overall. But I had failed to confirm them, and so I was, was stuck with the same team that I had for uh, Roubaix, which was a shit team and got me zero points in, in Brabantst. Uh, we talked about my uh, we talked uh, about my little notes on last week's podcast. We yeah. put that little Easter egg in, fishing for an email from someone who would want to see a photograph of those. Uh, we got that email from our friend Jeremy. Uh, whose team is Wout the Hell of My Dumoulin. We've talked about uh, mm. him and his team a number of times on the podcast. So I sent him a photograph of my ramblings on paper, uh, and I sent them to him prior to the deadline to confirm transfers for uh, Amstel. Uh, he clearly did not necessarily <laughs> use any of the information that I provided because all of that research I did really came to not mm. uh, didn't have a particularly great showing in Amstel and Jeremy did uh, and Wout the hell am I Dumoulin knows Jeremy's what, team he knows what the hell he he's does doing now Dumoulin. know what the hell Wout the hell he's Dumoulin uh, he is now beating all three of us in our fantasy league yeah so we're all eating a uh, buffet family style crow <laughs> tonight yeah on the podcast no he's welcome we inspired him yeah. To dig a little deeper, pay a little more attention. That's right. Invest in cycling fandom, and now he's uh, doing fourth overall in our league. Yeah. And uh, guess who's in second? None other than my girlfriend Emily, second place. Mm. And you know, the other night uh, I came home. I guess it was Friday night. Oh, and she won Amstel by a landslide. She won the race. Yeah. So well, yeah, we'll we'll give out the leaderboard. But the other night, I uh, Friday night, I came home and she just finished a long day at work and she's trying to go to sleep. And I was like, "Oh, did you switch your team?" And she kind of like woke up and freaked out. And she's like, "What do you mean did I switch my team?" I'm like, "For Amsel tomorrow." And she goes, "What?" And like sat up and was like really starting to stress out. And I wait Friday night. Yeah. Oh. And I said, "Oh, sorry, babe. It's it's actually Sunday." She yeah. was she was pretty bummed out about that. That's low. <laughs> it's pretty low. But let's so let's let's go back. Let's look at a Bramstay Pilge. Yeah, beautiful. So Pete won that 
won that one. Yeah. Actually, he tied with what the what, what the hell am I do Milan? Wow. And Bo Dennis sent us an email uh, earlier this year. He uh, finished third. So congrats to them. Then Amstel, my girlfriend Emily, crushed it. We had Jaden doing really well this season uh, with the season in second. And uh, Coach D, uh, third. I believe that's Dustin Drews. Mm. And if we go to the overall, that leads Jaden, still in first place. Emily in second. And Pete in third. Yeah. And so out of the podcast, though. Uh, let's not talk about that. Hey, uh, let's move on to. Townsend uh, is beating this all. Matt, where are you? I have no Actually, idea. Actually, you know what? I'm only 15 points ahead. Oh, no, I'm 115 points ahead of you. Uh, but that's not we much, are, That's not much. I could come back. We're mid-pack. You don't, do you we're have any trades team. left? Yeah, I've got one more transfer. One more transfer. <laughs> well, we were asking each other the other day, given the you know, relatively poor performances that we've all had over the last few weeks uh, in this, do we have any standing to really even have a podcast where we talk about <laughs> professional cycling since we're clearly failing at our own fantasy podcast league? And uh, my thought was, yes, of course, we still do, uh, because we aren't really speaking from the perspective of experts. We're speaking from the perspective of fanboys. We're fans. We're not experts. Uh, And also, it's really hard to pick the winners of professional bike races. It's so unpredictable, especially in something like the classics, right? Because anything can go wrong at any any moment. Uh, Well, if you'd have rode Sagan the entire time, you would have got two wins. So mm. those of us who drop Sagan, myself included, well, maybe would, not so smart. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I guess what, it, what, it, what it's come down to is I've played the slow and steady the last few years that we've done this classics, not necessarily for our podcast league. And this year, I really, like I said, I, I overthought a lot of it. Yeah. Try to get too cute. You know, you know what? It probably, it's probably does people favors quite a bit to actually forget to set their teams uh, occasionally because then they're not really overthinking it, especially for those midweek races where they're not going to get that many points yeah. and uh, they blow a, l- a bunch of points thinking that they can uh, get the jump on everyone and then they don't. Yeah, set it and forget it. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think our role here, guys, is to get people thinking, talking, and being interested in watching and enjoying professional cycling the way that we do. And Jeremy's email, I think, is is sort of apropos and indicative of that, which, by the way, thank you, Jeremy, for that very kind email in which he essentially said, this is awesome that you guys have this league and this podcast. You've got me thinking and enjoying cycling and being tuned into it more than I have in the past and I'm learning a lot and I'm really enjoying this uh, spring classic season. And so if we can just bring that to the mix, I think, uh, I think we're doing great. That's yeah. what we're here for. Agreed. All right. Well guys, I think we've wrapped up uh, the European pro cycling stuff. Mm. Um, there was a pretty big American race this weekend. Joe Martin stage race out in Arkansas. And I'm not going to give too much of a blow-by-blow with that race, but we wanted to give a big shout-out to Brian Mutel, who we've talked about on this podcast before uh, yeah. from Baton Rouge, won the Elite 1-2 race. Won, won GC. He won the GC. He, he won the Thursday road race. Yeah, by a, by a long stretch. Big gap. Uh, yeah. that, that, that race was torn to ribbons, it looked like, if you look at the results and the times. And he held the victory all the way to the end. That was um, a four-stage race, four if I'm stage, not mistaken. Two road races, a time trial, and a crit, yeah. um, which looks really brutal. Has a lot of climbing, and they just like wasn't it. Was it an uphill time trial in this? Yes, also uphill time trial on regular road bikes. Yeah, I kind of like the I like the tone the time trial on a regular road bike, the Merck style. Um, well, you feel about the uphill part. Yeah, I don't like that part. <laughs> well, just, apparently it was an uphill and a downhill. It wasn't just a climb. Okay. They climbed oh, really? and then descended uh, for, for some part of it as well. I was talking to some guys about it, uh, which is one of the main reasons that they didn't ride the uh, uh, time trial bikes because of the apparently there are some sp- speeds of you know well over 40 miles an hour mm. yeah, on so, the descent. Uh, there's also a U- so it's interesting, this race, because there's a UCI race. Um, UCI level, it's a part of the Pro Road Tour. Uh, yeah. I think Hollow Esco Citadel once again just kind of dominated. 
Yeah. I believe Campione won in all. And uh, that is a also a four-stage race, the UCI yeah, race. So, so what they have, they have uh, a men and women's UCI race, and then they also have a elite 1-2 four-stage race, non-UCI. And then they have a bunch of amateur... Uh, USAC races. USAC races that are, you know, Saturday and Sunday. And those are two or three stages? Just two stages. Two stages. Okay. Road race uh, and a crit. Yeah. So we had a bunch of guys from our area who went. Uh, Patton Sims won the 2-3 crit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really fast junior, so kudos to him. Is he um, still a junior? You know what? He might be not no longer a, a junior <laughs> Uh, probably still so. Yeah, I, I would think, guess I think he's it's 19. Senior year. Yeah, yeah. His racing age is probably 19. Yeah, so that was uh, that's big stuff. You know, Arkansas is, uh, you know, that in that part of the state, good terrain for cycling, and uh, you know that's gotten to be a pretty big race up there. Yeah. Joe Martin. Yeah, that's, I think it's been around for like 40 years. So it's, yeah. it's, it's been big. Shouldn't say gotten to be a big race. Yeah, but yeah, that, no, that is yeah. the big race uh, for this area uh, as far as a multi-stage uh, stage race uh, mm. so we had some stuff going on going on around uh here as well uh this weekend yeah i rode the alp d'huez uh that was my first time up it um, and we had uh matt so uh, you went on the west bank and rode the alp de west bank no no i rode the alp i rode alp d'huez uh this weekend the original alp d'huez oh you yeah. flew to france uh not exactly no so um, I rode the Alp du Zwift uh, okay. on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. I did it in an hour and five minutes. And uh, so I looked up uh, Pantani's uh, time. His uh, was uh, 36 minutes. 36 minutes. 36 so, minutes. Okay, you how, what was your time, Matt? Hour and five. Hour and five. Well, that's not too bad. Twice yeah, as bad. slow. So, uh, well, almost, you know, less than twice as slow. But, uh, but you, you know, weren't on cocaine when you did it. I wasn't. Uh, I was not uh, doped. I did not have a hematocrit level um, higher than the sun. And uh, but you know, I was also in a room at sea level the whole time. Uh, True. Not actually at any kind of altitude. Yeah, and you weren't actually there on the mountain. No. Wait, do you have one of those Zwift robots that moves your bike up and down? <laughs> I don't know. So. So did. when you go uphill, like how, what is it? It gets harder. Yeah, it gets harder, okay. but I didn't do, I did it as a, an erg mode. I did it. I see. I think I could shave that down a little bit cause I did a three by 20 minute effort. So I had two, uh, humble brag. Yeah. Two, three minute efforts that were, uh, just basically uh, recovery. Uh, oh yeah. So I, I'm, I'm sure slowed could, your time down. I'm sure I could get it close to an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay, beyond your uh, masturbatory trainer cave. Yeah, I was going to say, if we, if, do we have some funeral music that we can play <laughs> over what I'm about to say here? Because, you know, Matt, I'm sorry that your outdoor cycling has, has died. We, we miss you on the club ride. Uh, we you miss you at, at, at real races. Uh, we miss you doing real things on, on real Isn't bikes that... with real people. And, you know what uh, they say, coaches sorry. killed group rides. <laughs> is, um, I don't know, is... Just uh, kidding to all my coach friends. Is an there. alley cat a real race? Are we mm, gonna, not really, gonna no. Yeah. All right. No, but yeah. Whoa, I'm, we, I'm, I'm insulted. <laughs> <laughs> we have to give you some shit. I mean, no, we don't so, have to, but I want to. Well, yeah. we, we probably have to give you some shit, too. Why? I don't know. You were in that race, weren't you? No, I wasn't in any race today. No, I, 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 I last weekend. I got... I'm pretty sure you were in that race for about, what, um, I think, did you did you make it out of, of uh, Audubon Park? I pretty much did not make... I mean, I made it to Broadway and Leak. Uh, I made it about one minute into the alley cat and yeah so flatted. so sunday morning you yeah. you tried to get out and meet me for a ride tried and to you, do made the it as, you made it as far as the drawbridge and it was up and, and turned around and went home so you, what, you got about uh, four or five miles there three miles three miles <laughs> and then you said well i'm saving it up because i've got an alley cat to do this afternoon uh you uh, you did ride to that 10 miles the alley cat 10 miles to the, okay so you to got a 10 mile ride there a little warm up felt but pretty good your, about uh, it your race was cut short Made it about three hundred yards. It was, well, it was it was a mile, and 
there and back was a mile. And uh, but then you did ride home, An additional ten miles. And you snatched this KOM on the ride home, if I'm not mistaken. I sent, yeah, I said and a, set a uh, one minute power record. Oh yeah, like a 27 second to one minute and 15 second power record. Mm. So I don't know. We can talk about that later. But Sunday was the Cannonball Mash, which was it's an alley cat. It's kind of not an alley cat because I think an alley cat is something that has checkpoints. Uh, this was literally just a race to a point and come back and out and back through city streets. So it had one checkpoint, basically. I guess maybe the checkpoint was you had to cross the bridge, uh, the Jeff Davis Bridge. Or you had, to, you had to do the Elysian Fields traffic circle was that the too. checkpoint. Yeah, so there, but there was no one there signing your manifest. You were not, uh, you know, I guess you could make your own route, but there was pretty much a... Yeah, I think the rule was nobody's there to check you, but if you cheat, you suck. Yeah, and you know, you could do your own route, but there was a route that everybody agreed on. So a lot of folks showed up for that. I think they had 60 people who signed up. Really? Uh, this is the sixth year it's happened. This is the third year that Nola Fix has put it on. Uh, funny story that the Cannonball Mash started the same year that I put on my first Alley Cat uh, with Richard Carmen called Spring Break Yourself. And that year, uh, Townsend, you actually did a little cyclocross challenge for the people racing the alley yeah, cat. Yeah, Wes, Wes and I manned one of the checkpoints out yeah. at City Park, and we set up a little mini sort of 200-yard uh, cyclocross course. And there was a guy who did it on a pedicab. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, he had a dip key. I think we allowed him to uh, go around <laughs> the barriers, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so that's so. This is the first year that I've done the Cannonball Mash. Um, I definitely was going to do it on my road bike because I'm too old for smashing through city traffic on a fixed gear with no brakes, mm-hmm. uh, which I'd done numerous times, and I don't want to do that anymore. Um, and it was utter chaos getting out of the park, and the amount of like cars we were cutting off and that short distance was bringing me was i was getting flashbacks and maybe i was happy that i flat well wait so first off just to back up real quickly it was a (laughs) le mans start that's right yeah with 60 people yeah and 60 bikes laid out in the field um by the time i got my bike and, and got on it and got going. Everyone that I anticipated sort of being a rival or someone that I wanted to try to ride with or keep up with was gone. I just didn't see anybody. I was just surrounded by random people uh, on their bikes. We were going against traffic yep. through the fly in Audubon Park on a Sunday in the middle of the afternoon on a beautiful day. So there was a so lot there was of people. a lot of traffic. Yeah. And we were going the wrong way, oh, trying really? to get out of the park, and it was chaos. And immediately, there and was a set of, I wouldn't even call them gnarly railroad tracks. I would call them completely fucked up, almost yeah. like get off your bike and carry it over them railroad tracks. When we rode up, I rode up with Jason Cash and Eric Stewart, and Jason's like, yeah, this is where Greta... Greta double flatted last year and i was like okay because i actually didn't know you could ride to the fly that section i was not aware of that yeah until i looked at the previous year's route um but yeah that's exact. i i made that first group i knew how to do a lemon start even in my road shoes i put my bike in a good spot and i was with the the front selection um but as soon as we got to broadway i realized my rear wheel was flat mm-hmm. and then the tube that i had in my saddlebag was also flat and so I walked back to the park and drank beer. Well, I saw you as I was riding out of the park, uh, checking out your rear wheel, I think it was. Yep. And um, almost stopped to say something or see if you needed some help. But I was probably in 50th place at that point in time and knew that I needed to try to get up to the front, which I did. By the time I'm about two miles later up the end of Broadway, I managed to get myself up to the second the first chase group there was a front group and then there was kind of a a a main chase group of about five of us and um we just smashed it the whole way and i'd never done an alley cat before i learned a whole lot of uh traffic dodging maneuvers (laughs) on the fly that day (laughs) pretty scary uh yeah and um I had uh, had a good tutor. I had uh, Roberto Puig that was yeah, uh, very experienced in in my crew. So I, um, I I sort of followed his lead on a lot of stuff. 
and really appreciate his his help. And uh, had Jason uh, cash me outside in my group and uh, Jordan Stadler. It ended up kind of being the four of us, and we worked really well together. Uh, smashed it uh, and stayed, kept the gap consistent to the to that front group. We could never catch them, but we kept the gap pretty consistent. Uh, I set all kinds of power records uh, on this uh, ride, and I had a blast. I'm converted. I'm I'm uh, I'm officially a 25 year old fixie kid at heart. Mm. Let's. Oh um, boy. Wait. Can we just back up a second? Uh, you just kind of hinted at this. You set a power threshold in an alley cat. I did. Set a 20 minute power record. Uh, for for this year, my, yeah. I set a uh, set my uh, 20 minute power record, uh, and it was a full 20 watts higher than any wow. other 20 minute effort I've done this year. Yeah, and okay, I've so done just some, not not in all time, just this year. Not all time, just okay. This I was year. saying maybe you aren't racing hard enough. <laughs> yeah, no, my uh, I I am slowly. My highest ever measured FTP was 252 watts. Um, my measured FTP based on my 20-minute effort in this alley cat, at least according to Training Peaks now, is 238. So I'm within 14 watts of my all-time high when I was actually training, when I was on the Matt Kite trainer program, had a coach, had a training plan, um, I'll never go back to that. Um, I'm I'm on the uh, Tuesday Loop uh, Alley Cat training program now exclusively. Well, there you go, T Bone Myers. You maybe, won't, maybe, ca- maybe, won't catch me on the trainer anymore. Maybe I'll be throwing an Alley Cat with you soon. Um, yeah. So interesting. We kind of chatted about the fact this kind of we all have sort of a well, we all have a new training uh, plan this year. Mm. Matt has got a new coach. Yep. Um, and he's doing pretty well. He's Thomas ready. Gibbons, former yep. guest on the podcast. Yep. He's getting ready for his time trialing. He looks like he's, he's riding pretty strong. Uh, y- you are doing alley cats now. That's that's your training method. And Tuesday loops. And my new one is drinking more beer and going for Strava KOMs. And I've set like a bunch of power records this year. And I haven't done an interval since September of last year. So... I don't really know what to say about that, but uh, is it Belgian beer that you're drinking? I think so. Yeah, I mean I that know, must be you it. Definitely get bonus watts when the beer is from Belgium. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see see how it all uh, works out. I have no idea how well I'm going to do with the stuff I'm doing. I know my weekend hurt like hell. Uh, it it sounds pretty brutal. You did you did an, an crazy amount of tempo. Three by forty five minute tempo. Yeah, that on, sounds on the train. Kind of insane. Yeah, my my uh, I think my my ass actually died uh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. day. Yeah, it was hard. There's a few other things I wanted to say about the Cannonball Mass before we uh, wrap that up. Um, so since I was at the finish waiting, I was trying to help out the people who were collecting numbers and and trying to figure out the order of the finishers and i tried to help out a little bit because i've I've done this before and a lot of them were sort of new to this whole thing and you were also taking going to take some photos and some video at the finish correct sure sure. and and i have my my phone out and here comes the leaders it was it was max it was daniel it was eric stewart people who i thought were going to be in the front and there was these two cones on a sidewalk they had to go through. That was the finish line. And I was like, holy crap, here comes Max. And he kind of started coasting. But then here come Eric Stewart off the grass on his fixed gear, accelerating. And I my jaw kind of dropped because I was like, oh, I'm going to watch a sprint finish in an alley cat. And I didn't even like take any photos. I didn't even shoot any video. Mm. And there was a bit of controversy about who won the race. And honestly, I don't even know. I couldn't tell you. All I know that Eric was coming fast. Max seemed to be decelerating. And they gave the victory to Eric. Max thought he might have won it. Mm. But but he he accepted second place he graciously. Did, graciously. I mean, he won first road bike. I think I got a trophy for that. Anyway, it was... I just... Did not expect to see that uh, a sprint finish, uh, a photo finish that I didn't take any photos of. Yeah, well, it was a photo finish with no photo. Yeah. So yeah. is that Although, really a photo finish? It's a no photo finish. There was yeah. a woman taking photos, but she missed them crossing the finish line. 
So double fail. Sorry, that was partly my fault. So basically, Max lost the race because of you. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Uh, also, my girlfriend Emily got third, third woman overall. Congrats to her. Very well done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's 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 it on Cannonball. This weekend, we are putting on a race. Oh, that's right. Uh, funny enough, in, in Cannonball and this race, the Harbor Master Criterium, are intrinsically linked because, as I said earlier, uh, the first year that Cannonball happened, I did an alley cat with my buddy Richard Carmen and Skip Town. And then the next year, we didn't do Spring Breakers Love 2. We did the Harbor Master Criterium. That's right. We moved from Alley Cats to Criteriums because that was kind of what we were doing ourselves. Um, and we are putting on the Harbor Master for the fifth year, you and I. Yes, we and are. And I'm pretty excited. Yeah, like, and, we're, and, and you know, to sort of bring it back full circle to the, uh, to the Alley Cat uh, fixie sort of idea, this will be the second year that we've had a fixed gear category. Um, and I know a lot of the guys, uh, out at the, at the Cannonball Mash were talking up the race and talking about bringing out their, uh, fixed gear bikes and coming to do some racing at the Harbor Master on Sunday. Yeah. I heard that Eric Stewart, who got third last year in the fixed gear crit will not be there. Um, so if you're wanting to race your track bike in a crit, mm-hmm. you know, one heavy hitter is not going to be there, so there might be a podium spot open. Well, well I have I to did, say. I did hear that uh, last year's winner, Jaden Kiefer, paging Dr. Kiefer, uh, he uh, said he is going to do it. Well, and also, uh, He's Jayden, not registered yet. If, uh, if Dr. Kiefer is listening to this podcast, I'm also here to let you know that there was uh, some smack talking going on by former Harbor Master masters champion rob conrad uh who is also a very accomplished track cyclist uh who on uh, sunday at the giro was uh talking some trash about how he did not think anyone could beat him if he showed up Ooh, on his track bike wow. so uh, that sounds like that sounds like he has to do that i then. think the uh the gauntlet has been thrown down Dr. Kiefer, and uh, love to see a battle between Jaden and uh, Rob Conrad on yeah. uh, fixed gear bikes out at the uh, Harbor Master on Sunday. So I hope that happens. Yeah, me Hashtag too. Hashtag fixed gear trash talk. All right. Well, I am. Uh, I think I'm going to jump in the uh, four five race, which is about uh, at three a.m. So. <laughs> is that when that starts? Sun- sunrise. It's a sunrise. Sun- crit. It is. It's going to be a sunrise session. Actually, I'm going to. You know what I'm going to do? Uh, seeing as you guys didn't uninvite me to dj uh i'm assuming that i can do that again and i'll just put on some nice uh balearic uh sunrise session on while uh while while jumping in that crit hang on townsend is the sun gonna be up for the cat four five race <laughs> i so didn't even lights. think about that <laughs> yes uh sunrise is uh at about uh, 6 50. okay and the uh, cat four five race is actually no kidding guys at 7.15 a.m. Holy crap. There is a reason for that, though. There and is that a reason. is because we have to shorten the course at noon. And for the last two years, mm. the uh, Cat 4-5 race has been on a shortened course. And we've gotten some feedback about that. The 4-5s want to do the longer course. We feel like they should be given the opportunity after two years of not being able to do it to do the longer course. And so we've got to do the race earlier. It's uh, also a really big field. It's the biggest field of the day. It makes scoring a lot easier because, let's face it, people are going to get lapped. Um, the bigger course, the less amount of lapping, it's easier for the officials. We're bringing in extra officials to make sure we get the results correct and on time. Um, Matt, I would suggest you put on Marky Moon. <laughs> okay. Uh, By television. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. I was also thinking of putting on uh, just an entire Yes album, you know, because that that would easily just be like one track uh, that would take up the whole half hour of the crit. Okay, I mean you could do yeah, I mean you could do you could do that. You could yeah. put on some prog rock. 
Um, I could and, totally uh, prog out. I could, um, I could do some, yeah. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll just put on two or three prog tracks uh, for the sunrise. That'd be nice. Sounds good. So we've got a little uh, contest going on right now. For anyone who's interested, we are giving away three $15 off coupons to your race entry uh, for our title sponsor, Bike Law, Charlie Thomas, Bike Law, Louisiana. Uh, go on to the Harbor Master Facebook page to find the instructions, but they're quite simple. Uh, follow or like uh, Bike Law, Louisiana, and the Harbor Master Criterium on Facebook. Pre register for the race at USA Cycling and take a photograph of your bicycle, your kit, your nutrition, your beat on, whatever. Your stupid face. Whatever uh, moves you and tag it. HM Bike Law 2018, uh, and you will be entered for a chance to win $15, a $15 rebate essentially, uh, off of your $25 pre reg fee. So you can race for $10 simply by entering that contest. And right now we've got one person registered. So we have it. I mean, if there's, you, come on, please do it. At least one one person entered in the contest. One, sorry, one person entered in the contest. So they right now they're definitely getting fifteen dollars off their entry. And hopefully we'll get this podcast out in time that the listeners will <laughs> be yeah. informed of this. Hopefully, uh, we've got a busy week. But yeah. yeah, so we've also got two women's races. We've got a women's open. That's uh, women's cat one through five. Peloton magazine is putting down some preems for that race. Two hundred and fifty dollars nice. in preems for the women's race. Excellent. Between the women's race, some amount of money for preems <laughs> in that women's race. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait. All right, we're just gonna Way to sell that. Hang on. Yeah, hang yeah. on. All right. We're gonna edit it. Okay. Uh, so we've got two women's fields, and Peloton magazine has put down some money for the women's open race in terms of preems. There is a payout. And we also are adding on premiums from Peloton Magazine. We also have a women's Cat 4 or 5 race if you were a beginner. Uh, if you're a 4, you get a race twice. Um, we also we got the fixed gear crit. We also have the unknown distance, which was a hit last year. Big hit last year. Um, it's anywhere between, I can't remember what it says on the flyer. but I 20 think and 40 minutes, I think. 20 and 40 minutes. I'm really hoping we hit 21 minutes. Um, just because I think that would be awesome. I, I kind of want to like maybe do it one time where it's like a 10 minute crit and like people just try to attack from the gun, which I think they did last year anyway. Um, we could just do a one lap sprint crit, that sprint, sprint crit. That'd be pretty exciting. Mm, That'd be kind of fun. That's another idea. Drag race. Drag so how does the length of the unknown distance crit get determined? By the officials. Oh, the officials do it, so you guys have no knowing no, of that. Do they pull a number from the hat, or you know, what do they? No, nope. no. Okay, I'll tell you how it happened last year. There is a website mm -hmm. that generates random numbers for you. That's okay. true. You set in your parameters, and yep. I, I found a website that said their number generator was the most random of them all. So you set in your parameters, and you need a number between this, and I need a number between that. Yep. Hit a button, it pops up. I show it to the officials. That is the time limit of the race. Okay. And they calculate lap times and then they give out. a one lap to go. One lap to lap. go. And, you know, shout out to Dustin Drews who at the start line last year decided he asked if he petitioned the riders if they could do one lap to go instead of three laps to go as we had set. Mm. And everybody agreed. So this year we're doing one lap to go. You'll figure out when your race is done. Just okay. like a track race. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've got, so we have Matt on the Wheels of Steel. We'll have the Quesadilla Truck. We'll have Urban South Beer and Crawlers for the podiums. Mm. We'll have people to out there taking photos. Um, we'll just, it's going to be another good time. What and else? hey, real quick, before we leave the Harbor Master Criterium, uh, Bodie, you alluded to it when you talked about the uh, preems for the women's race that uh, Peloton Magazine is putting up. Peloton Magazine has been with uh, Harbor Master Criterium since year one. Since the beginning. As a media sponsor and a preem sponsor. Um, they are also a sponsor of the Semi-Tough Cycling Club as part of your membership. Uh, everyone gets a digital subscription uh, to wow. Peloton Magazine. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I am also a subscriber to the print edition of Peloton Magazine. And that is some classy, classy stuff. It is, and it's especially classy because 
it has at least in every edition, every issue, it has at least two pictures of you. Yeah, that's true. You do come up a lot in my magazine. That's not why I like it, though, guys. Uh, but yeah, just printed on good heavy paper, and uh, it's just real. Uh, uh, it's just real journalism and really beautiful photographs, and it's just a great a great thing to look forward to getting in the mail each month. So I would yeah. encourage our listeners who are interested in cycling, the, the beauty, the, the depth, the history yeah, of not, the sport. It's not just about bike racing. It, co- it kind of covers all kinds of different things. I got one uh, recently, the, the gravel episode, which was really cool. Um, so it's, uh, it's got some great, great stuff in there. So many thanks to Peloton magazine for supporting our race for the past five years. Also, just a big shout out once again to Bike Law Louisiana, Charlie Thomas, for their continued support, and Urban South Brewery, who is uh, also supporting us again with some some delicious beverages. And many thanks to the Esplanade Mall and Kenner for making this a very easy process and being eager to host a bunch of dorky people in spandex. Mm. Okay. Well, guys, I think we've about wrapped up this episode. Um, I don't got anything more to say. So, Townsend, Matt, why don't you guys uh, start it off with some sign-offs? Well, I'm going to say good night from uh, the land of alley cats. This is uh, the T-Bone saying good night. And this is Matt, and I'm saying that I have... A few more trades to make on my team, so who knows? Maybe I'll make a huge comeback before the finale. <laughs> and this is the Bodie Bodie saying, I have one trade left on my fantasy squad, and I'm going to use it to drop Jill Bear. See you all on Sunday.